Hello, and welcome to The Kicker from Louisville Business First. I'm editor Lisa Benson. Last week, we hosted a gathering of hundreds of top executive women in Louisville for our annual Business Women First Luncheon. The event is a chance for us to honor four enterprising women from the Louisville area. And the lunch included a keynote address by Nicole Lappin, who is a financial journalist and author of the books Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch. Before our lunch got underway, I had the chance to sit down for a Q&A session with our enterprising women, and we're sharing that recording with you here today. Our award winners were Dana Bowers, who is our Woman of Achievement. She's the founder of Venminder and iPay Technologies. She's been an entrepreneur and leader in the financial industry for more than 30 years. Our Woman of Influence was Nikki Jackson, who is the Regional Executive and Senior Vice President of the Louisville Branch of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. In addition to her role at the Federal Reserve Bank, she also serves on a number of community boards, including One West, Louisville Public Media, the Louisville Regional Airport Authority, and the Family Scholar House. Our woman making a difference was Yvette Gentry. She is the chief of community building in the office of Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher. Prior to joining the mayor's office, she was deputy police chief for the Louisville Metro Police Department. And our woman to watch was London Roth. She's the integration leader of the Louisville Bold Goal for Humana. She leads Humana's efforts to improve the city's health by 20% by 2020. We chatted about a variety of issues that impact business women today. So take a listen to hear our conversation. Oh, they are. Hello, everyone. We're about ready to get started with our Q&A. Come on in. We've got some great seats up front. If anybody wants to move forward and take advantage of some front row seats. I'm Lisa Benson. I'm the editor of Louisville Business First. Thank you all for joining us here today for this Q&A panel with our enterprising women honorees today. Um, I'll go ahead and introduce them. We've got... Um, let me get my cards here. Right? So we've got Event Gentry. She's the Chief of Community Building in Mayor Fisher's office. We have Dana Bowers, an entrepreneur and leader in the financial industry. We have Nikki Jackson, Regional Executive of the Louisville Branch of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. And London Saunders-Roth, who is the Local Integration Leader for the Louisville Bold Gold for Humana. So some great ladies today. And I thought we would get started just by talking a little bit about why you guys do what you do, um, how you got started, and what keeps you in your positions. Yvette, you want to start with us? Well, I started, I started uh, with Louisville Metro Police Department way back in 1990. <laughs> I did 24 years there um, in law enforcement and retired in 2014. And when I was asked to come back, it was a great opportunity for me to take all the knowledge that I have learned from working on the streets of Louisville for so long and really start to fill in some of the gaps that I realized existed for our community. Um, and it, it's a rewarding opportunity to get out there and just help people one person at a time. I mean, sometimes we have so much on our plate, we forget that it's all personal. Everything we do affects an individual, a family, and a community. Dana? Well, so I normally refer to myself as the accidental entrepreneur. It all started um, because I had, um, I needed a job <laughs> and I needed a paycheck and there was an opportunity. So those two things um, came together um, with the right timing and um, and then it, after that, it's just about, um, it's about just going for it. Um, there's a lot of fear, frustration, you know, success, um, achievements along the way, but, um, and that's really what keeps me there today is that 
um, the constant challenge because um, I'm always being challenged and um, realizing that how far away I, I am from having the answers. How about you, Nikki? Um, well, for me, I am very new to this industry. I'm, I'm new to banking. Um, I've been in this role almost three years. My background is in law and human resources, neither of which ostensibly would prepare me for a career in banking, yet here I am. Um, <clears throat> so the job that I have is, is an outreach-focused position. Um, my job at a very high level is to make sure that the community that I serve understands the Federal Reserve and that the Fed understands our community there, our nuances, our idiosyncrasies, all that feeds into growing and maintaining a healthy economy. Um, and so that's pretty multifaceted. So I think for me, my, my nature, my disposition, I tend to like um, being in roles that are fairly entrepreneurial, that permit me an opportunity to take um, what could be regarded as esoteric, obscure concepts and distill them for a multitude of audiences and make them real and make them relevant and useful. Um, so at its core, in an outreach focused position, that's, that's what I get to do. I have an amazing team that I get to work with, um, that we, we all focus on community development, economic education, um, and then just kind of general um, economic information exchange so that we can really understand how to inform monetary policy in a, in a deeper way. London, why do you do yeah. what you do? Um, well, at the highest level, I think I have the career that I have by um, just being open to new experiences. I've been in a number of different industries, financial services, uh, the restaurant industry, and now healthcare. And I like to tease that I'm, I'm doing penance now for marketing fried chicken um, in my former role at KFC by now working to improve the health of this city with Humana. Karma always comes around, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but my work at Humana involves working with community partners to improve the health of this city 20% by 2020. And I stay there because of the challenge. Um, I can't think of anything else on a national level that's such a, a, an issue as, as our health, and it's so important to uh, who we are as people, and getting to work in that space and try to figure it out and, and work with other organizations to do so is really rewarding. I thought it would be interesting to talk to you ladies about um, people in your life who've had impact. And I wonder if you could each tell us about uh, a certain person who has had a significant impact on you as a leader, um, what you learned from that person. Okay. That, would you like to start? Well, uh, I think I learned everything I needed to know from my grandmother. I really do. I, I love the way my grandmother approached every every issue. She was widowed very young. She had kids to raise. She took in more kids to raise. Um, but she treated everybody with such respect. I mean, she greeted the mailman every day. She greeted the person that picked up the garbage. I mean, my grandmother was just the most positive person that you would ever meet. And so I learned from her that, you know, every day you just got to pick yourself up. She got up every morning. She dressed herself up. And she just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And so, you know, in times business is going to come at you, you're going to learn, you know, of course I went on to get my education and training, but I can always sit back and just think about the resilience that she had and, you know, what I'm made of and just remind myself, do you know what you're made of? You can do this. That's a great lesson. How about you, Linda? Yep. Um, I would say a gentleman by the name of Jay Everett, and he currently leads community relations for Wells Fargo in North Carolina. 
he was one of my first managers, and um, he taught me a couple things. He taught me about development. He was great about bringing other people along, and, and including me, and has really instilled in me a desire to mentor others, so I feel like I can repay some of what he and other leaders along the way have given to me. And he was also a really thoughtful communicator and uh, demonstrated the importance of communications and um, being clear with people and um, whether you're writing them or in or speaking to them and that's something that I take pride in and enjoy. So those are a couple things he's passed along to me as a leader. Dana, do you have someone that sticks out in your mind? Well, it's obvious for me, it's my husband. I, um, he's really the true born leader and manager of our duo. I, um, I just kind of put my head down and get it done, but he's the one that, you know, that, can, that guides and advises me on um, you know, how, to, um, how to do this with a lot more grace <laughs> and, um, and to focus on the things that, that I'm good at and, but I can't be good at everything, so then you hire great folks around you um, to fill in all those gaps. How about you, Nikki? Well, for me, so as I shared, my, I started out my career practicing law, and then I moved um, with, with pretty swift haste into HR, um, abandoning the practice of law. But I didn't really know how um, to divorce myself, kind of the mechanics of practicing in the legal space and to move to like a more softer HR space. So my first mentor in that regard, her name was Diane Roberts. And this is when I worked at Philip Morris in uh, Richmond, Virginia. And um, Diane, even though I was in an individual contributor role, um, she would always share with me that I had four things I had to work on. Um, and those are um, concepts, these are concepts that I still kind of struggle with today and challenge myself around. The first is how do I, as a leader, set a vision and articulate that vision and um, rally support against that vision? The second is how do I allocate resources um, and furtherance of that, of that vision, and resources being time, money, talent, people. Um, and then how do you build capability? So even if you're not in a true managerial role, how are you bringing up the competency set of the folks that work with you and work around you? Um, and that's building capability individually and um, organizationally. And then finally, and arguably most importantly, the self-awareness piece. So constantly being self-reflective and thinking about impact versus intent um, and always monitoring how you are um, presenting yourself and how you are being regarded um, and managing that accordingly. I think that self-awareness piece is really important. And it kind of segues into another question I have. Um, you know, today is an event that's about professional development and learning. And I wonder if you all throughout your careers have, have noticed uh, certain mistakes that you see women making in business. Um, what are those? And how do you think people can change their, um, their, their, the way they behave or the, or the way they present themselves um, that would help them get ahead? I think the biggest mistake we make is not setting up boundaries for our personal time. A lot of people talk about work-life integration, but you have to have clear work-life balance. Um, 2016, I battled breast cancer, and I was a busy person, and that was the first time in my life that I had to just lay on my back. <laughs> and I had to rely on people that I didn't get to spend enough time with, and I regretted that. Um, and so I just challenge every woman, it's good to get out there, it's good to have those you know, hours that you, you're grinding it out for your employer, but when you get home, be present with your family and your kids and your husband. Not just there, but really present. Cut your phone off, the email can wait, 
And if you start responding to them at 8, 9 o'clock in the morning, you'll realize you'll get more at 8, 9 o'clock in the morning, 8, 9 o'clock at night, because people won't respect those boundaries if you just don't put them up yourself. So. How about you, Dana? You know, I'm not sure if it's really gender specific, but it's really a balance between risk and reward. Um, so I am, because there is always risk as you're you know, pursuing your career. Um, you have to balance that against the reward. Don't be afraid of the risk. Um, and um, but recognize your tolerance for it as well, and um, and and then when you put those two things together for yourself, because it's an individual answer, then you'll come out wherever it is you're supposed to. Spoken like a true entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, do you have some some input on this question? Um, I don't know that I see this as much now, but I do recall very vividly as I was younger, growing up. Um, in a corporate world, I, I just I struggled myself, and I saw so many women struggling with the extent to which we felt free to be women in at work. And I'm talking about like the the silly things, if you will, the the esoteric stuff like pants versus dresses, um, talking about our kids at work versus not, talking about our husbands at work versus not, and so there just seemed to be, in some cases, very overt tension around the extent to which that might be permitted in the workplace. Um, so I see that to a lesser extent now, though it's still, you know, it's still there to, to, in some regard. So I think that it kind of embracing our femininity and um, being true to ourselves, being clear, the clarity I think that comes, perhaps with being more seasoned at work now, but there's just a clarity and a sense of kind of unapologetic dignity that I think women should walk in um, as they traverse through their careers. Fantastic. With some of the women that I mentor, I, I find that they are a little hesitant to reach out and identify or engage with mentors or sponsors. And I think that's such a big opportunity. And what, I'll, what I coach them on typically is because they'll say, um, why would this high-leveled leader want to spend time with me as I'm earlier in my career and I'll say we'll come to the table bringing something maybe it's an article or a story or something that you know might be of interest so it's reciprocal and you feel like you're you're giving something as well as receiving some of the mentorship so I think leveraging mentors sponsors and asking for what you want from from those leaders to support you getting there um, most people are willing to to give that um, can you ladies talk about um, what kind of qualities you think specifically help women in business? Talk about self-awareness a little bit. Um, are there other things like that that you see you know, uh, women might need a little help with, a little push um, to help them get to the next level? I think the best quality is being capable. Um, you know, a lot of people are well-resourced and they have great networks, but I think the one thing that people always go back to in leadership is somebody who is capable of getting the job done. Um, so know yourself, know where you're weak, shore up your weaknesses. You know, if you're not computer savvy, you can't use that excuse for 10 years. You gotta kinda go take a computer class and kinda gotta figure out a way to make yourself strong where you know you're weak. And uh, I think at the end of the day, people always are gonna come back to the people they know they can get the job done. Well, um, it takes tenacity, it takes courage, um, it takes dedication. Um, it's certainly a lot of hard work, and but I, I'd be surprised if there's a female in this audience that doesn't already recognize that. Um, it's just how do you how do you apply it um, with grace and um, 
and and the speed at which you want to, you know, I guess climb that ladder. Um. Thank you. So I'm at, at the risk of um, contradicting myself. I think one it, we women. I'm going to start over. Our emotionalism is both a blessing and a curse, and I think sometimes. Um, if, if we could find ways to be very um, mature and thoughtful in how we express our emotions at work, I think we would be better served. So sometimes I think we, we get a little off kilter, and I'm including, I'm including myself, um, myself in this, but um, assuring that there's just kind of a right balance in how we express um, sorrow, how we express concern, how we express worry, I think, um, it's not so much that it's it's problematic in the workplace, but it's it we are life givers. That is that is who we are created to be. Women give life. Um, we do that physically and we do that spiritually. We do that emotionally. So we'll take a, a a construct or a particular set of circumstances and really give life to it. And so we have to really be careful with that power that we have. I, I think this somewhat builds on on Nikki's comments. I think. Um, Men certainly have empathy. I think it comes perhaps more naturally to women, the ability to read a room, understand where different individuals are coming from, and use that to um, the advantage of the work or the desired outcome. I think that's something that we have a true power as women to, to leverage and to help further our goals. That you touched a little bit on work-life balance, work-life integration. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about strategies to do that. You know, I feel like that's something I struggle with constantly. Um, what are the specific strategies you all use to balance your work and your home life? My work, my work calendar has my kids' events on it, too. And they're not in pencil. They're in pen, just like everything else that's on there. Um, so when there's a game or a parent-teacher conference, I don't, I, I don't move those for a work meeting. Uh, I, I do understand that I have, work has to you know, have its place, but they have to know that mama's gonna be in the stands at the basketball games and, and things like that as well. So you know, I, don't, I don't put my family in pencil and my work in pen. It's, it's all there, scheduled, thoughtful, and balanced out, and I don't go back and erase it. Dana? Well, <laughs> as, as I was thinking about this question, my first thought was, ask somebody else because I'm a failure <laughs> at this. Um, I, it is, has been a battle from day one. Um, I am, I always want to be 100% in on everything that I'm doing, but you can't divide 100% or multiply that. Um, you can't be at 500%. So, um, so there's, it, it's, it is, it, it continues to be a battle for myself today, and so I'm actually, I'm gonna sit and listen to see what my other esteemed award winners say, because maybe I'll pick up some tips. I don't do well at this one. Nikki, do you have some wisdom for us? So, wow, wisdom, I don't know. I, um, so I have so when I think about work-life balance, and perhaps wrongly, but I think about my kids. Um, not to say that if I were single without children, that I wouldn't expect some sort of balance. But I do have two kids, and I've always had kids there since I've been working. And I have for years resisted help. Right. So 
I've always been of the mindset, well, why have kids if you're going to get somebody else to raise them or you got to get somebody else to pick them up to do this? Well, that's all out the window now. <laughs> so I get lots of help, and I'm thankful for it. So I do have you know, folks that help me pick my daughter up and transport her to various lessons, and I'll meet them at the lessons. And um, so that's been tremendously helpful. I, I guess I just kind of got to a point where I, I understood that I can't be all things to all people, and I wasn't doing anyone a, a great service by trying to split myself in two. Um, I just wasn't good at that. So um, asking for help and, and honoring that help, using help as much as I can, is something that, I've, that I now learn. That can be really hard, but that's a really good tip. Yeah. How about you, Linda? I know you have little kids. Yes, yes. I've got a, a four-year-old little girl and a two-year-old boy, and similarly have come to rely on a lot of, of wonderful family members and friends to provide support. I think um, also I'm, I feel fortunate that in the role I have, I've got flexibility in terms of the way I work, so I do a lot of blending. Um, an example of that might be I'm folding laundry while I'm on a conference call that I know I'm mostly doing listening and speaking as opposed to capturing notes or during lunch break I'm taking a walk with a friend so I can connect with uh, relationships that mean a lot to me as well as focusing on my, my well-being. So I do a lot of, of blending uh, throughout the days to, to achieve that balance. That's great. Do we have any questions from our audience at this point? Anyone have a question for one of our panel members? Just raise your hand and holler it out. No questions yet? Well, catch my attention if we've got a question. Um, we talked a little bit about mentoring, um, having mentors, being a mentor. And I wonder if we could discuss a little bit about what you feel like you get from mentoring someone. A lot of the conversations are, are about what someone gets from being mentored. Um, but, but what does that kind of relationship, what do you all get from that? I think mentoring for me just keeps me grounded and, and relevant in what's going on now because a lot of times, you know, at, at 47 years old, I have my own notions about what's going on. But when I interact with a child and, listen, and actually actively listen to what they're going through, I can actually learn a lot and be able to do a better job on my, you know, for them or actually advocate for them. But really, I try to instill confidence. Um, that's what I didn't have enough of when I was younger. And sometimes we get, you know, we're very, very hard on young people, like, what is wrong with this generation? And I have to remind people that we raised them. <laughs> and, and, and so, you we're know. We're kind of responsible for it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's kind of on us to kind of fix it. So um, just to give them confidence, just to look at them and say, you know what, you are awesome. You are amazing. That's the first thing I do when I mentor kids. I make them stand up and say something nice about each other. And they struggle with that because they're so used to hearing the negativity. And when they can hear 12 of their peers say something nice about them, it really helps propel them forward. Yeah, and I'm sure that's a great feeling for you to give that to someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. How about you, Dan? You know, it's a nice reminder um, that, you know, that I walked in those shoes at one point in time, too, and history has a way of repeating itself. And so, um, so one of the first things I try to remember to say is do as I say, not as I do. Um, I, um, I've, you know, because I'll just continue to make mistakes. I'm still learning. Um, I still need mentoring as well. But maybe from some of my past experiences, I've been there, I've done that, um, that I can help in, you know, at least helping them sort through what the options would be. Um, and, but really, at the end of the day, they're doing more for me than I am for them. Um, it's, it's typically the, 
you know, the, the ideas and inspirations that are coming from them that I, you know, didn't make the time to recognize myself. So it's, it, it's, it's not even an even exchange. I'm really taking more away from it um, than what I feel like I'm giving. It's really interesting. Nikki. Uh, so for me, I feel, I feel very responsible, um, incredibly responsible, arguably burdened um, by this strong um, desire to pour into someone else. That's kind of part of what drove me to this work. It's part of how, it means how I parent. It's how I engage with most, most people. It is really important for me. And, and for young black women in particular, um, it's just um, it's just important for me to be a part of their lives as they are growing their careers, um, because oftentimes they just don't have or haven't had historically the same kinds of reference points, the same kinds of examples in the community in the home um, around professionalism as others. So um, around corporate professionalism as others. So for me, it's a it's an accountability factor that I welcome, and it's an affirmation factor that I think is. Um, encouraging encouraging for me and I love to watch it is personally satisfying for me to watch the epiphanies and for me to watch the maturation um, and the illumination and and just to kind of see what happens it's kind of like a wind-up doll I like to kind of regard my mentoring process as that just kind of winding up and then just watching them go as you as they grow in their careers I think for me it's a way to say thank you for those who've mentored and, and continue to mentor me as um, mentoring others so I get a lot of fulfillment in that regard feeling I'm somehow paying back the, the uh, universe. Um, I also think I get a lot of knowledge on things from my mentees. Uh, one in particular is it's a reverse mentoring relationship. I'm not an expert on social media but I want to understand it enough and in terms of how I can best communicate. So I'll spend some time coaching her on leadership development and um, guidance, and she'll give me insight in, into, into social media and technology. So it's um, a way to, you know, it's a mutual relationship. So that's something I've received back. That's fantastic. We'll wrap up then. I wanted to thank all of you ladies so much for joining us for this conversation. You all will hear a lot more from them during our luncheon today. Um, and I think we'll be headed into the main ballroom here in the next few minutes. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. So there you have it. A great conversation with four amazing ladies that represent diverse industries, backgrounds, and experiences. I had a fantastic time getting to know them throughout our enterprising woman process. And if you know of a, lo a local notable woman in Louisville community who we should consider for these awards in the future, please send me an email at lisabenson at bizjournals.com. We'll be back again soon with another edition of The Kicker. Thanks for listening.